podcast where grade 7 students talk to experts to find out more about their specialties. I am your host for this episode, Callie, and I am a student at College Park School in Lloydminster, Alberta. Before we get to our expert for this episode, I just want to share a little bit about who we are and what we'll be doing in our podcast. We are a class of 25 grade 7 students in a non-traditional classroom setting where we are focusing on experimental learning using a STEAM approach. That's STEAM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. We want to answer that age-old question of why do I have to learn this by directly connecting what we study inside the classroom with the world outside the classroom. For our podcast, we will be connecting, contacting an expert that we know in their in our lives. This person can be an expert in their profession or job or in what, what could be traditionally be considered a hobby or an interest. So without further delay, I am pleased to introduce our expert for this episode, who is an expert on adventure lifestyles and former NHL player, NHL and Swiss League player. He has played hockey for Ottawa Senators. Senators, the Washington Capitals, the Colton Flyers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the LA Kings. Brooks, like, welcome. Hey, well done, Callie. Thank you for having me. And hi to everybody in class. Hello. 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 Do we have? Yeah. Sorry? Do we have any hockey fans? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They have to play hockey. They have to play hockey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you listening? I'm glad to have you. Okay, let's get started to know, let's get started by getting to know you. Please tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, I was born and raised in I was born in Medicine Hat, Alberta, but raised in Woloda and grew up playing hockey ever since I was two years old. Um, your granny had me on skates, your granny and papa had me on skates at the age of two, and then I started playing organized hockey at five, and fell in love with it, and then at the age of 13, decided to make the decision to pursue it professionally, and then became a professional hockey player, and I spent the majority of my life pursuing that goal, and then I retired at the age of 34 from professional hockey, and have now moved into a new venture of life, doing something exciting new, um, taking people on adventures around the world. And other than that, I love being a brother, I love being a son, I love being an uncle, I love being your uncle, um, and I love my friends, um, and just the pursuit of happiness in life. Okay, how many people were in your, how many people were in your family growing up? So we had your granny, who's my mom, your papa, who's my dad, and then your mom, my sister Jody, and then your other uncle Jordan. So there was five of us. I was the middle child in our family. What's your family look like now? So now, um, mom and dad um, live in Canada and live in Phoenix. You visited them in Phoenix. They winter in Phoenix. And then there's your family, Joni and Jeff, your parents, and then you and your two brothers, and then my brother, Uncle Jordan, uh, and Auntie Quinn, who's married to Auntie Quinn, and they have Lennox and Frankie, who are your cousins. And then my family is um, my beautiful, wonderful dog, Coda, who you have met. Um, sweetest boy, he's a four-year-old husky. Um, what... 
What do you do for fun? Oh, I do everything. That's all I do. <laughs> I don't do anything unless it's fun, Callie. I never, ever, ever want to work a day in my life. I only ever want to have fun. So I always prioritize fun um, over anything else. And this is why I want to encourage all of the, um, all of your classmates, anybody listening to this podcast, is quite often we're told to get a job, earn a living, um, get a car, get a house, get a family, and then try and add fun into our lives with a vacation after that or something. And I want to encourage everybody in that classroom listening there to think of what's the funnest thing in the world they could imagine doing, and then find a way to make that their living, their career. And that's what I did with hockey. Hockey was the funnest thing in the world to me. And I did it every single day, and I did it well enough and applied myself enough so that I could make hockey my career. So I never had to work. I could just play and have fun all the time. So um, other things that are fun for me, I've taken my dog for a hike. Um, fitness is still fun for me. I still enjoy working out. And then I love going out on the lake right here and going fishing. Um, what was school like for you when you were younger? What did you do? I didn't touch anything. I went. <laughs> Back up quickly. Back up. I pressed the space button and it did this. <laughs> Sorry about that. Pressed the wrong button. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm done talking to him. All right. Okay. Uh, repeat that question, please. What was school like for you when you when you were younger? So I was um, I was good at school. I was very good at school. Obviously, your papa is or was a principal, right? So when I was going to school, my dad was the principal. So dad always um, stressed to get an education and to, to apply ourselves at school. That being said, I wasn't the biggest fan of I was a fan of hockey and playing hockey. And so um, I was good at school because I had a very good memory. So when a teacher would say something, I could really remember it and then I could recite it and then I was good on tests or exams. I could, just had a really good memory to, to recall information. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to live my life inside a classroom. I wanted to do something um, different. And so uh, my school was really an education in hockey. Um, I had good grades, graduated grade 12, but I never went on to college or post-secondary education. Um, despite your papa really hoping I would, um, I wanted to play hockey, but school was a great way um, to learn some skills, to learn some discipline, to become educated. I highly recommend it for all kids through grade 12 anyway, and then at that point, when you're 18 years old, the decision to pursue the type of life you wish. But um, still, some of my best friends in the world are uh, some of the people that I went to school with kindergarten through grade 12. Is there anything that you remember about grade 7 specifically? Um, anything I remember about grade seven specifically, grade seven, I believe my homeroom teacher was Mr. Myers. Um, 
I don't have any real specific memories of grade seven. I never got to do a podcast, that's for sure. This is a really cool thing that you guys get to do. Um, but my favorite, I remember all throughout school, my favorite class was Pizet. By far, Pizet was my favorite class. Uh, but as for a specific memory in grade seven, I don't think I have it. Why do you think Spazad was your favorite uh, subject in school? Because I love moving my body. I love, you've seen me every time we're together, what are we doing? We're swimming, we're throwing a football, throwing a baseball, we're out in the backyard, we're playing hockey, we're doing something, we're going golfing. You and I never get together and really just sit around um, like your Uncle Jordan does. <laughs> um, you and I get together and we're always doing something fun and active. Uh, I love to move my body, I love to be active, I love to be physical, uh, and so we were able to do that in Gazette, whereas in the classroom, we were sitting around uh, having discussions, which are still entertaining and just learning there, but I love to do that while in motion. How does being physical affect your daily life? Oh, it's, it's all of my daily life. So after we're done this podcast, I, sh- I could walk you down to the my garage here, but I have a full gym in my garage. So after we're done this podcast, I'll probably go work out for a couple hours, and then I'll do a little bit of creative development work, have a little bit of lunch, then I'll go work out for another couple hours this afternoon. So on any given day, I usually do about four hours of training, physical training, even though I'm not playing in the NHL. Um, when I was playing in the NHL, I did that much as well. Um, but it's just become part of my daily life. It's what I enjoy. I don't get paid to do it anymore. I'm not playing in the NHL, so I don't have to do this kind of training. But I love doing this kind of training. To go back to your earlier question of what's fun for me, this is fun for me, right? Fun is something, um, fun can be categorized as something you do without getting paid for it. What do you gravitate towards without having to do it or without getting paid to do it? And for me, that's physical fitness. And then that's where I encourage people, what are you gravitating towards without having to or without getting paid to do it? Then apply your intelligence to figure out how you can create a life and earn a living in that field. Uh, because then you never work a day in your life, you just get to play and have fun, but you also still earn a living. Tell us a little bit of what you've done in the past and what your career is now. What I've done in the past career-wise? So my professional career, um, so everybody looks at an NHL player and they think they have a career from the age of 20 until whatever their NHL years are. In truth, our career starts way before that. We just, you just, most people don't see it. You haven't heard of us, you don't know our names, but the years and years of practice and training go into then one day us stepping onto the NHL ice. So at the age of 13, I played hockey from, started skating when I was two, played organized hockey from the age of five, and then at the age of 13, which you are just shy of, you're 12 right now, right? Yeah. So you're 12 right now, your classmates are 12, maybe somebody just turned 13 if they have an early birthday. Um, But at this age where you are right now, I made the conscious decision that I was going to go professional with hockey. So it was every day come home after school every day and lift weights in the basement. It was jump hurdles in the backyard every single day. It was stick handle and work on my skills in the garage. Every day after school was training. 
uh, for hockey. And so from the age of 13 on, every single day was training to become a professional hockey player. Through the winter, through the spring, through the summer, through the fall, there was every day was about training. And then at the age of 17, I was drafted to the NHL. And then at the age of 20, I made my NHL debut. So I had 15 years of playing hockey, seven years of dedicated training to become a professional. And then at the age of 20, turned professional. And then I played for the next 14 years until I was 34. So I was blessed to play a long time in the NHL. The average career, anybody take a guess about the average career in the NHL is, what's your guess, Kelly? Mm, How long? 10 to 13 years? Nope, much shorter. Five years. Seven. Five, whoever said five nailed it. What? The average career in the NHL is five years. Some guys come for two years, some guys come for 10 years, some guys come for six weeks, and some guys are there for 15 years. And I was able to be there, I played professionally for 15 seasons. We had a lockout in 2005-06, we had a lockout, and so we missed the full year there, but I played 14, 13, 14 years in the NHL, which is, and 15 years professional hockey, player, which is three times longer than the average career, so I was very, very blessed with my hockey career. And then I came out of my hockey career healthy, very healthy, which is a big thing for us athletes. I have both my eyes, which is where we want to start. I, I don't have any concussion problem. My back is great, and I have um, just a few miles of my right ankle is about the only thing that I have lasting effects from very physical sport. Um, but that's very much about a two, three um, minor little thing on the right ankle. So now I'm very fortunate that I get to do whatever I want. I've saved more money than I spent. Now I have created an adventure company in which I take people on wonderful, crazy adventures around the world. Um, so now I lead an adventure community called World Playground. So are these trips sponsored by someone or are they paying for themselves? So the community pays to come, but what I do is I reach out to, um, where's your favorite place you've ever traveled, Kelly? Disney World. Okay, so I, I would reach out to a place like Disney World, and I'd say, hey, Disney World, I want to bring a group of 20 people to your um, to your park. Um, for that, for bringing a group this size, can you give us a discount? And so if the standard rate is this much, I'll, I will arm wrestle with Disney World, and I'll get a rate that's this much, and then I'll sell it to my community at this much, and that's the money that I make. So the community benefits because the standard rate is this, they get a trip for this, and also I handle all of the logistics of the booking, of the scheduling, um, transfers, shuttles, everything, the itinerary, what we're going to do, and they just have to pay one flat fee, and they go, I get to go on a first-class vacation for less money than it would normally cost me if I did it by myself, and I don't have to plan all of this. This is amazing. I will now invite Addison Moore to come up and ask you a question. Ooh, I'm excited. Hi, Addison. Hi, my name is Addy. And how hard is the training for the NHL? Um, it's a great question. It's a really unique question. Uh, I look at it two ways. Um, there's two ways to answer this. Hard, it's 
intense and very difficult. But for me, that doesn't mean it's hard. Hard for me is something that I don't enjoy doing that I have to do. I love doing the training for the NHL. So even though it was very physical, very intense, four to five hours a day of training plus one to two hours a day of practicing. So four to five hours off ice training plus one to two hours on ice training. Um, it can be very difficult and there is a lot of energy input into it. Um, but for me, it was never hard. It was always fun. You can all, if you find something you love and you enjoy so much, you can work extremely hard at it, but have fun the entire way. So the load that you're carrying is not heavy, it's actually quite enjoyable. And that's why I believe I was able to do it professionally for 15 years, is because I had more fun than most people. And so after five years, some most people get tired of this is so hard and so much. Um, whereas I just looked at it as fun because it's always really good. Thank you. Great question, Ed. What does a typical day look like for you? For me, I never set an alarm clock. Let's start there. I never set an alarm clock. I sleep until my body wakes me up, which is usually around 7 o'clock. Um, and then I get up and I make a beautiful breakfast and I have a peaceful morning. Um, here's my lake out here. You can see out here, there's my lake. So I have a breakfast looking at the lake. And then... Um, Usually make a phone call or two, send an email or two, and then around 9.30, 10 o'clock, I do a couple hours of training. I'll train from, let's say, 9.30, 10 o'clock until noon, and then uh, I will stop. I'll have a little bit of lunch, do some creative development on World Playground, which is the adventure company I'm working on, and then at about 2 o'clock, I'll start training again, and I'll train from 2 till around 4, 4.30. And then maybe I do a little cleanup in the yard or send a few emails again or something, and then I shower. And then at like 5.30, 6 o'clock, I'll eat supper. And then in the evening, uh, maybe chat with a friend or somebody. Um, maybe play with my dog. Uh, maybe watch a show. Just kind of wind down and relax and then go to bed. Usually I go to bed around 9.30ish. That's what a kind of standard day looks like. And in there, if at all possible, I will mix in the opportunity to fish. Um, how did you get the idea to create your travel program? Oh, great question, Kelly. So when I was playing in the NHL and kids would ask for an autograph, I would write to Kelly, the world is your playground. And then sign my name, Brooks Light, autograph my number 21. Um, because I want kids such as yourselves, I want you guys to know that the world is your playground. Anything you want to do in life, I want you to pursue it. I want you to dedicate to it. I want you to dive into it, and I want you to master it, and if you do so, if you commit in that way, you're able to do something you love the rest of your life, and you're able to get paid for it. It's ridiculous. I was I got paid to play hockey. It's absolutely ridiculous, and not only that, paid very well to play hockey, um, and so I would have played hockey for free. Little did they know. The Washington Capitals didn't know that I would have played for free, but they gave me money to do it, so I'll gladly take it. Because um, now it means I don't have to work the rest of my life. Um, but that's where I got the idea, is I wanted to inspire kids and adults that the world is your playground. What do you want to do in the world? 
Um, what do you want to do? Lead with that, not I should get a job and make some money. Lead with what do you want to do in the world and then apply your intelligence to, okay, this is what I want to do in the world. How can I create a business or a career, a life around this thing and earn and earn substantially and make an income and a living in this environment? So whatever your dreams are, everybody listening, everybody in the classroom, Whatever you love doing, whatever you want to pour your soul into the rest of your life, um, I encourage you to move that way. Do it every single day. Like I said, at your guys' age, I started going home and training and practicing uh, and jumping hurdles in the backyard every single day because that was going to lead to me being a professional hockey player and being able to play hockey the rest of my life. Um, so you guys are still young, but you have time to make the decision. But then whatever it is that you want to do, dive into it, but that's how I found the World Playground. Was, I was like, I love the concept of World Playground, that the world is your playground. Go play. It never changes, no matter how young or how old we are. The world is our playground. And so then I wanted to do something based on that, and I wanted to do adventure. Um, coming out of hockey, that's all I've done, is travel the world and go do crazy, wild, awesome adventures. Um, and so then I'm like, okay, I want to continue doing that the rest of my life. How can I apply my intelligence to build uh, an income stream and a business around this. I will now invite Liam to come ask you a question. Okay. Liam, can I ask you a question first? Okay. Who's your favorite hockey team? Uh, I don't watch hockey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my question is, uh, do you have any hobbies other than hockey? I love fishing. So fishing, so right out here, Liam, if you can see that, see that building right there? Yes. That building, that building right there is my boathouse. So inside right there is my boat. Um, so that is my boathouse and I love fishing. Fishing is, that's why I live on a lake, um, is because I grew up fishing. Callie's uh, grandpa used to take me fishing all the time when I was growing up. And so fishing is probably my favorite hobby. Um, I don't consider working out a hobby, even though it, it could be, but I consider fishing a hobby, and fishing is my favorite hobby. Okay. Thank you. Um, what made you choose the career path that you are, have been down so far? Oh, great question, Kelly. Um, question for you. Do you think I chose it, or do you think it chose me? I think it chose you. Oh, can you tell me why? Because um, sometimes you just get, you just have a love for sports, and if you love it that much, then you just continue it. Yeah. I, I think it's a bit of both. I think, um, so I'll kind of reverse engineer the question. So when I came out of, when I retired from hockey, when I retired from hockey, the thing that, I really learned about myself was that, yes, I loved hockey, but more than that, I loved the competition. I was addicted to the competition within hockey, the uber competition competing with and against the best in the entire world. And so that's what I really found that I loved. And so part of me believes that if I was born in Texas, that maybe I would have loved football. Or if I was born somewhere else, I could have loved tennis. Or But I was born 
and grew up in Wawoga, Saskatchewan, where hockey was everything. And so that's the the that's what I was introduced to, and that's what I grew to love. Now, if I was born in Hawaii and introduced to surfing, I might have loved surfing and became super competitive at surfing. But so I believe it's a combination of both. Of, um, but also, your grandpa uh, used or would say this to me. And he would, he would, or he would say it, but I heard his rap, and he's the first person I heard say it. I am who I am for the grace of God. And it means I was born where I was because there was a reason and a purpose for me to be there. Um, so, yes, I believe I somewhat, I did make a conscious choice to pursue hockey, but I also believe that it was somewhat of a gift to me to be introduced to it and to be born in a place where it was very uh, prominent and very focused. I will now invite Tyler to come ask you a question. Hi. Okay, Tyler, same question to you. What's your favorite hockey team? I like, I like the Oilers. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Tyler is no longer allowed to ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. okay. uh, what's your question, Tyler? Um, who, inspired, who inspired you to be an NHL player? Um... Good question. I don't know that I, um, Tyler, I don't know that I had a, a true inspiration other than, so there's a couple, I had, a, I had influences. So I don't know that I had a true inspiration. I believe that my desire to be a hockey player was just purely my desire to be a hockey player, but I had inspirations. My dad is the first person I think of. Uh, my mom and dad introduced me to hockey, introduced me to skating, and uh, my dad was my coach until I was 14 years old. Um, so my dad was a massive influence on me uh, throughout my entire hockey career. Uh, but he never said, you have to be a professional hockey player. He said, if you want to keep playing hockey, I'll keep assisting you in any way I can. So my dad was a great influence, coached me, taught me more than anybody else probably about hockey. Um, and then I used to love... Um, some other inspirations that when I was a kid, players that I watched and studied and loved to learn from were Mario Lemieux, Doug Gilmore, who played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Paul Correa, who played for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, and then Joe Sackett, who played for the Colorado Avalanche. So those four players were four, my four like favorite players, and I would watch those guys. I would watch hockey games, watch those guys, and I would study them. How do they handle the puck? What reads are they making? Um, how are they patient? How are they dissecting the defenders? And I would just watch and study. If most people just watch a game, I would watch and study and learn how are these players elevating to this level. Um, and so uh, they were great inspirations for me. Thank you very much. Great question. Yeah. Um. What does a day as an adventure community leader look like? Um, great question. It's actually probably one of the easiest quote-unquote jobs in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I just dream up crazy places I want to go, crazy things I want to do. But then there is a lot of back-end work um, that goes into building this kind of community. So I need to reach out to different for example this morning i was emailing with a gentleman who lives in rwanda in africa Ooh, he uh, for our community oh, did i cut out there Kelly? what he cut out can you tell him that yes he cut out 
Yeah, you cut out. Oh, sorry. So this morning I was emailing a gentleman in Africa, in Rwanda, the country of Rwanda, to book a hotel in Rwanda for 14 people. So there's a lot of logistics. There's First, there's the vision and the mindset. It's like, this is how I do it. I, I think of where do I want to go and what do I want to do. And then I plan an adventure around that. And I, I'm kind of like, uh, I would say, an adventure snob in that I want to go do the best thing in the best place and have the best time. <laughs> and so that's the standard that I set, is that I want to do this. If we're going to go do this, um, say we want to go see the lions in Africa, we're going to go to the craziest, best place with the biggest and best and most lions, and we're going to have an experience there. So I think of these kinds of things that I want to do, and then I find the resort or the lodge or the yacht or the destination that has, that can provide this experience, and then I contact them, and then we start the negotiation process of, hey, I want to book this many rooms and bring this many people, can you give me this kind of price for it? and then figure out the day. So there's a lot of back-end emailing, logistical phone calls before we eventually go to the trip. And then, once all that is set and booked, then I bring that concept, that adventure to my community, and I do some marketing, I shoot some content, and I say, hey guys, this is where we're going, and what we're going to do, this is the price, who wants to come? And then my community will message me, and then I'll send them an invoice, and then they'll pay that invoice and logistics, and we'll go to that adventure on that date. So my next adventure is sailing through Indonesia on a yacht on March 19th. So on March 19th, I'll be going to Indonesia with a group of 18 people, and we have the world's most luxurious Phoenici yacht. It's called the Prana Bayazaro, and it's uh, we have it booked out just for us, and we're going to sail through Indonesia. Uh, we sleep on the yacht and we scuba dive up to four times a day. Uh, we go hiking, we have breakfast on the beach, we'll snorkel with sharks, we'll do all kinds of wild, crazy stuff. Um, and we'll do that for seven days and then we come home. So it's pretty fun. Again, it is a little bit of work, but I don't call it work because it's just fun. I'm lining up adventures as we get to go on. This is nothing but fun. So how early in advance do you plan for these events or trips? So I'm currently, yesterday I had a phone call planning for a trip for the end of January in 2023. So does anybody know where the Maldives are? Raise your hand if you know what the Maldives are. Right? That's where I'm planning a trip to, to go to. They're this beautiful, it's a beautiful collection of islands. Um, on the east side, off the east side of Africa. And it's kind of like the honeymoon destination in the world. It's just, the, it's a postcard, beautiful, scenic place. And I'm planning, right now we have 32 people that want to go with us. We'll probably end up with somewhere around 50 people that we end up taking to the Maldives at the end of January in 2023. So all of my adventures for 2022 are already all sold out. So now I'm planning adventures for 2023. I will now invite Marissa to come ask you a question. Okay. Marissa, same deal to you. I get to ask you a question too. Um, do you want to ask yours first or you want to ask, or should I ask yours, mine of you first? You can ask yours first. One place in the world where you would want to travel, where would it be? Uh, probably Hawaii. Ooh, which island? I have no clue, just Hawaii. You should ask Callie. She's been there. I've been to Hawaii with Callie. 
So, okay, your question. Do you ever miss the NHL? Every day. Every day I do, and every day I don't. So, I miss the thing I miss the most is competing with and against the best in the world. So, this podcast is about experts in a field, and to, to be at that level, I'm competing with and against experts, the best the world has to offer in the sport of hockey, which is a sport that I love. So loving the sport, it is amazing to see how the sport is played by many different people around the globe, and that some people have world-class skills, some people can shoot a puck like Alex Ovechkin, right? Um, some people can hit, some people can pass like Nicholas Baxter, some people are such incredible skaters like Connor McDavid just to see the different talents in the sport that I love and also being one of those people at that level uh, is such a great joy and something I miss dearly. On the other side, I don't miss blocking shots. I don't miss waking up with a swollen ankle or waking up and taking three minutes to get out of bed because my neck is so stiff and my shoulders are so sore from the physical game the night before. Um, that kind of stuff I don't miss. Fractured bones, broken bones, sprains, tears. Uh, I don't miss a, co a coach yelling at me. Coaches yell at you all the time. Even if you're a good player, they still yell at you. They find something to yell at you about. I don't miss those, those days. But overall, yes, I very much do miss it. I was very, very blessed to have played in the NHL for 15 years. And so um, there are days I do miss it. But then there are other days where I'm like, I would actually rather just go fishing today. I don't want. I don't want anybody to hit me today. <laughs> and do you still Thank play? You and do you still play hockey for enjoyment? I I haven't played actually, which is crazy. But I it's really coming around to me again. So once I got out of hockey, I was so curious about the rest of the world. So my whole life I had spent inside a hockey rink. Which, means, which meant I didn't have a chance to explore really anything else. I didn't have a chance to explore anything else really inside of me. What else am I curious about? What other skills do I wish to develop? Um, so I, after I came out of hockey, I hosted a podcast for iHeartRadio. I hosted a podcast. I also started a fitness training app, which you could get on your phone, so you could get new workouts on your phone. So I was curious about these other things that I was like, maybe I'm really curious about this. I've never been able to commit time and resources to it because I've been so focused on hockey, but I want to try these other things. And having gone through that process, I've tried things, I've found out that's not where my soul wants to live the rest of my life, and now I've found the thing in World Playground, taking people on adventures where I'm like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. Um, so I've really enjoyed the fact that I've stepped away from hockey, tried some new things, developed some new skills, met some new people, and now I think I'm ready to start getting back into playing hockey for fun uh, once or twice a week because I do miss being on the ice and I do miss the sport. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you do lots of travel as a kid, and what was that like? Uh, we did some travel, yeah. We did a lot of camping, as you guys do, right? You guys do a lot of camping. But then um, mom and dad took us to Disney World, so we went there. Um, we went to Leader to see my granny and grandpa. Um, 
trying to think what else. And then hockey took me many places. Hockey took me many places for hockey tournaments. Um, and then when I was 16, I really started to travel. When I was 15 and 16, I really started to travel for hockey. And then when I was 17, started to travel to the U.S. and all over the U.S. and all over Canada for hockey games. And then turning pro at the age of 19, we traveled everywhere. Hockey has taken me all over the U.S., every city in the U.S., every city in Canada, um, to Switzerland, to Germany, uh, in many different places to play the sport I love. Um, what are some of the steps that help you build up to get into the NHL? Um, great question. So one of the most important things I did was when I was 13, I borrowed some hurdles from the school. So remember I said Mr. Myers was my grade 7 teacher? Mr. Myers also helped, happened to be the phys ed teacher. So I spoke to Mr. Myers and said, I want to be a professional hockey player. Can I borrow some hurdles, track and field hurdles, from the school so that I can jump those every single day in my backyard? And luckily, Mr. Myers lived two, two doors down from us. So, um, and his son, Tristan, was my best friend, was in my class. Um, and so I borrowed 10 hurdles from the school. And every day after school, I would come home, come right home, and go to the backyard. And I would go boom, 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 10 jumps, come back, 10 jumps, come back. And I would do it 10 times. So it was 100 hurdle jumps, then I would take a three-minute break, I would do it again, take a three-minute break, and then I would do it again. So every day after school, I would do 300 hurdle jumps, um, and then I would go downstairs, and then I would start lifting weights. And then also, I would go into the garage, and I would work on my hands with a puck and a stick, or a ball and a stick, and I had a net in there, and I would work on little deeks and perfecting um, stick handling in my hands. And your Uncle Jordan would sit on the trampoline and watch me do these jumps. <laughs> I remember him watching me, he'd be jumping on the trampoline, and he'd be watching me jump, and then he'd be laying on the trampoline, and I'm still jumping. Uh, and I always tried to get him to do it, but he wouldn't do it with me. But though, that, was, um, that was really laid the foundation, because hockey players are legs and lungs. We are explosive with our legs, and we need to be able to skate a long time. So it was um, doing explosive jumps in my backyard, and then I signed up for cross-country, and I ran on the cross-country team. So I could be explosive, and I could have endurance. And those two things really laid the foundation for my fitness level to be world-class. And then I played hockey as much as I could. I played with my team, and then I played with the team that was uh, two years older than me. I played up in age group so I could play against bigger, uh, stronger faster players, which allowed me, since I couldn't beat them physically at that age, I had to be smarter than they were. So I had to learn to use my body, I had to learn to be patient, I had to just learn to turn and move off of players to avoid players because they were bigger than I was, so I couldn't physically dominate them. So uh, in my own age group I could, but moving up an age group I couldn't. And so I had to learn to play the hockey, hockey two different ways. Um, so playing up against an age group really helped me elevate my game as well. Have there ever been times that you felt discouraged as a leader, and what made you keep going? Many times. So here's a little thing um, for the entire class to hear. Even though I played in the NHL for 15 years, there was probably three or four times every single year where I was 
where I lost confidence, where things weren't going very good for me, where I was very discouraged, um, and I still wanted to play, but my confidence was waning a little bit. Um, I don't know if it was confidence was waning or just like things weren't going well for me at the time. Frustration was mounting. And your granny, my mom, I used to, whenever I was going through these situations, I would have a conversation with my mom. And uh, she used to say that hockey was living outside of my heart trying to get in when I was frustrated. And she said, go back to just playing. Just go play the game you love. And let hockey live inside your heart and come out. And it was terrific advice because I played the sport of hockey at the age of five. How hard can it really be? Right? I'm playing even at 30. Like if I can if I'm 30 years old doing something that I did when I was five years old, this really can't be that hard. Uh, so each year during the year though, I was playing these very difficult competition, playing in the NHL, you're playing against the best in the world, and so many times you would get beat, um, which can lead to some discouragement. But there's another thought that um, what you're going through at the moment doesn't define all of, it doesn't define you and who you are as an athlete or a person, because you cannot discount the lifetime of work that you have put in to be at this place. So I could have four or five bad games, let's say I did, or just wasn't performing as well as I wished in four or five games. Those four or five games don't mean that I'm a bad hockey player. They just mean they're, they're a tough four or five games because I've put 30 years into becoming a hockey player. I'm not defined just by four or five games. I still have all of those skills, all of those abilities, all of those talents have been developed and they're still there. And there are good times and there are bad times. There's games where you're unstoppable for two weeks and you're like, I'm the best player in the world. And then you have four or five games and you're like, I'm not the best player in the world. That was just a hot streak. You know? So there's hot streaks, there's cold streaks. Um, but if you consistently show up, consistently show up, loving what you do, putting in a great effort every single day, an honest effort, um, then the results uh, so they will vary, you will have consistency over time. And that's why I believe I was able to play 15 years. But any person, whether they are a CEO of business, whether they're a school teacher, whether they're a lawyer, a doctor, a professional athlete, we all have moments of insecurity. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't feel confident right now, you're normal. Welcome to the human race. Welcome to the rest of us. We all go through it, even people who are professional athletes. Even myself, who was a professional athlete for 15 years, even in my 15th year, I still battled moments where I was like, man, do I still have it? Am I good enough? Can I compete at this level? How come things aren't going my way? But again, it comes back to believing in yourself, believing in the work that I've put in my whole life, and then believing that this is what I want to do with my life. So I will battle through these times that are tough, and I will really love it, and I will really enjoy the times that are good. I will now invite Dallin to ask you a question. Okay. Hi, my name is Dallin. And my, Hi, Dallin. My question for you is, did you ever get cut from a team? Um, yes, I did, Dallin. When I was 17, I was drafted to the NHL, and I tried out for the NHL. 
I was cut at the age of 17. I tried out again, again at 18. I was cut at the age of 18. I tried out again at the age of 19. And they cut me again at the age of 19. And then halfway through my, once I turned 20, um, in my first season professional, um, uh, that's when I, or sorry, I tried out at 18, because I was drafted at 17, and my first tryout I had already turned 18. So I tried out at 18, 19, and 20, and was cut all three years. And then finally, halfway through my uh, season, when I was 20 years old, they called me up to the NHL, and then that's where I stayed from then on. So, yes, I was cut three times um, from the NHL, which wasn't discouragement to me. It was language to me that I still need to improve, that this level is here, and I'm not there yet. Doesn't mean I won't be, but I just needed to keep working to close that gap to arrive to this level. Um, so anybody that that is trying out for a sports team or gets cut, or maybe you don't do so well on an exam, or um, maybe you don't get into the university you wish, or get the job you wish, keep trying, just keep closing that gap, keep closing that gap, keep applying yourself to your trade or your craft, whatever you're seeking, and close that gap, and one day you will arrive there, and then one day you will continue to thrive there. So yes, I did get cut. Um, and then ultimately, at the end of my career, I got cut again. So when I was 34 years old, I had played for 15 years in the NHL, and then our general manager called me into the office and said, Brooks, we need to go with somebody younger. We're bringing up a kid who's 20 years old. We don't know if he can play in the NHL or not, but we need to see if he can, so we're going to release you to try him. And so I was sitting there going like, I, you know I can play here. You don't know if he can, but I'm losing my spot for this. And he said, yes, we want to see if this kid can play. And it was this, I understood it. I was upset about it, but I understood it because when I was 20, that's what I did to somebody too. So, yes, so four times in my life I have been cut. Yes. Thank you. Yep, welcome. Can you tell us about an experience where you were unsure, but you chose to participate anyways and gave your best effort? Um, something's coming to mind. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to be more specific, but I'll say this. I'll share this with you. Callie, you have never heard me say this. Probably your mom, as my sister, has never heard me say this either. Every, this goes back to our question of discouragement, of lack of confidence or insecurity. Probably once a year. Okay, first question. How much do I love hockey? It was your life, so probably very much. You know I love hockey, right? Like, I love hockey. I still have your first goal puck. I will, I'll tell the class that in a sec. Callie gave me her first goal puck, which is so cool. Um, so you know that I love hockey. Anybody that in that classroom that's a hockey fan and knows that I played for 15 years knows that hockey was my life. Here's something interesting. Once a year, almost every single year, I wanted to quit hockey. Isn't that so surprising? Once a year, I was like, I would wake up and I'm like, I quit. I quit. <laughs> I quit hockey. And 
Um, it was usually in the month of February. For some reason, we, we would play every second day in February. And we would play in Dallas tonight, in L.A. tomorrow, and Tampa Bay the next night. It was so many different cities, so tired, so sore, waking up, don't even know which city I'm in and who I'm playing tonight because the travel just gets so groggy and so... And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I quit. And it would last for five minutes. And I'm like, what am I saying? I'm not quitting hockey. But um, there were tough <laughs> I didn't press that. It's a very, very, very difficult thing to be an NHL player with the amount I, of travel you, schedule, how many games you have to play. You just glitched what? out on you just glitched out on us. Oh, sorry. Um, it's a very, very difficult thing to be a professional hockey player with um, there's many facets that come in that people don't understand. When you would watch me on on TV, Callie, you had no idea if I was playing injured, sick, tired, uh, if things really weren't going well for me, if the coach was yelling at me, if um, if I was having a lack of chemistry with the teammate. You just saw the game and expected the player to play. So one example of this is um, I got a phone call from your papa, from my dad one day, and he says, Brooks, what are you doing? You're losing every single puck battle. When you go into a corner, you turn the puck over. You always win these puck battles. You've been losing them like crazy. What is wrong with you? And I go, Dad, I've been playing for a month with a fractured ankle. And he goes, oh, I didn't know that. I was like, of course you don't know that. Like, my job is to show up and play. Anybody watching me as an athlete expects to see me play the way I'm supposed to. But... Uh, four weeks ago, I blocked a shot in my ankle, and you know if a baseball hits a windshield and the windshield just goes like a spider web? Oh. That happened in my ankle. Mm. So the puck hit my bone in my ankle, and my ankle, the bone in my ankle just fractured like a spider web. But I still continued to play. And now imagine skating, just skating alone with a fractured ankle, and then imagine trying to push a 220-pound defenseman with a fractured ankle. Um, and so... Dad didn't know this, and he saw me uh, not like losing some puck battles, and so he he um, thought that I was wasn't competing hard enough, or I wasn't doing something. But it was no, I was injured, and so it's times like that where where it's very difficult to play, and you're like, man, my body is so sore, I'm so tired, and I have to perform at this level. I cannot take a night off in the NHL against the best in the world. You cannot take a night off. It is not acceptable. The intensity level is this high. It is at the ceiling every single night. And so even if I'm sick, even if I'm tired, even if I'm injured, I have to find a way to perform at that level. And that's, a, that's something, that stress is something that drives a lot of people away from the sport because they can't handle it. And every single year, they would arrive at a time where that stress was so high, where I'm like, I quit. <laughs> but I love the sport too much. I just, I would just say, I'm not going back home to go work in the oil field with Uncle Jordan. Though I love Uncle Jordan, I love my brother. I'm like, I want to play hockey. That's what I want to do. And when I retire, I'll go back and I'll visit Uncle Jordan. In your opinion, what makes someone an expert, and do you consider yourself an expert? Ooh, 
Callie, that is a great question. I think he's answered these two already. Uh, so in my opinion, this is what I believe makes somebody this one for sure. Uh, let me answer the second question first. What That's makes somebody an expert? Was that the second question? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I believe that you can be, that a person can be an expert in a field, yet still acknowledge that they don't know everything. So would I consider myself an expert in hockey? Um, maybe, but that being said, I do not have everything mastered. I do not understand everything with hockey. Um, I think a true expert has exceptional skills and an exceptional understanding and can perform incredibly inside their chosen craft or field. However, they acknowledge that that craft or that field or that industry or that sport is greater than they are and they will never fully understand it um, and they will never fully be capable at mastering every single facet within it. So though I believe I was world class at many things in hockey, I've seen players today like Connor McDavid in Edmonton who is way better physically, mentally, faster, so, smarter, um, more talented, more skilled than I ever was. So though I believe I was an expert maybe, um, I also acknowledge that I did something to drive the game to a certain level. So when I came in, the level was here, and our generation, and myself being part of that, drove the level of the sports here. And then the new generation coming in now is taking the sport from there, and Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, these guys are blowing the roof off that level and doing things that we have never seen before. I also believe an expert, this is one thing um, that I truly believe an expert, expert can do. You could put me, Callie, you could put me on a stage in front of your entire school in just one chair and people, every single person could ask me a question about hockey and I would be fully confident sitting there answering the question that they're asking because I have lived and breathed it. So I don't have to make up any answers. I don't have to falsify anything. I don't have to pretend I'm something I'm not. I'm not. I believe a, an expert is somebody that wears it to their soul. They live and breathe it to their soul, and they can sit in front of a thousand people and answer every single question that comes their way with full confidence that they have experienced, lived it, and know what they are talking about, while still acknowledging there are things that they don't know, and this sport or field or craft will surpass them and hopefully expand to go on to be greater. I really like the way that you answered that question. Um, what do you think failure has to do with success? Also, when did you fail and how did that help you? Ooh, this is a unique question. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pose a thought to you and to the classroom. And I want you guys to think on it for a second. Um, and then I will elaborate on it. So here's the thought. The difference 
between winners and losers is winners lose more. What? Now it's contradicting, right? So the difference between winners and losers is that winners lose more. How can that be? How is that possible? And I'll explain it this way. In that quote-unquote winners, so people who make it to the top, let's say people who make it to the NHL, they make it to the NHL because they challenge themselves so greatly. They reach for things that are not yet attainable, and so they'll fail. But that in that process, they will get experience, they will get knowledge, they will get hunger. As I was cut from the NHL three times before I made it, each time it just drove me further and further, and I got experience from it. I played against players who were better than me, so they pulled me up. I learned new ways of playing. I was like, okay, you beat me. I found out a weakness that I had. I can now work on that so you won't beat me there again. Right? And so I lost, I lost, I lost until finally I won. And then I was an NHL player, and, and you might look at an NHL player and say, this guy's just so good, all he does is win. He made it to the NHL. I almost lost my way to the NHL, is that I reached for such levels. There were, I did have wins along the way. I made different teams. I made the Canadian World Junior Team. That's like for our national junior team. Um, and, but even there, we lost in the gold medal game. But I got to play in a world championship game against the best in the world at the time, and that's a great experience for me personally. I improved as a hockey player there. So failure and loss should be a part of every person's journey, and this is why. If I wanted to just win all the time, Callie, I would have stayed in Wawota and just played against the teams around Wawota, because I know I can beat them, right? So I would never lose, I would always win, but I would never make it outside Wawota. I would never make it outside Lloyd Minister. Right? If you want to really challenge yourself and you live in Lloyd Minister, you need to play against Calgary. You need to play against Edmonton, Red Deer. You need to play against Vancouver. Teams from bigger centers that, that have better competition that there's a chance you're very much you could possibly lose, but it's going to pull you up and make you a better player. So loss is a great part of growth. And I also want to say this, and I, I hope um, some members of your classroom write this down. This is a very important thought as well. This helped me a lot during my career. Never let a win go to your head, and never let a loss go to your heart. So because I won, I can't just be the greatest of all time. I'm a small one. It's like, okay, I won today. That's wonderful. Let's celebrate it. But I still have to improve, and I still have to grow. And on the same token, I can't let a loss kill you. So never let a win go to your head, never let a loss go to your heart. So when I was 18, if the loss of getting cut from the NHL went to my heart and stopped me, I never would have made the NHL. At the age of 19, if that loss of getting cut again went to my heart and stopped me in my tracks, I never would have made the NHL. At 20, I got cut again. And said, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm not letting this go to my heart, I'm still coming. Um, and then when I was 20 years old, I had made it, now I can't let that go to my head. I can't be egotistical and be like, I'm the best, I'm the I need to now continue to work 
So never let a win go to your head and inflate your ego, and never let a loss go to your heart and stop you. So failure is part of the journey to success. Um, thank you for that answer. I will now be opening um, the mic for questions from our classmates. So first question is okay. from Brenton. Hello, I'm Brenton, and I was wondering how many teams were you on before you joined the NFL or NHL? NHL, so I played in Wawota, my hometown, until I was 14. Then when I was 15, I played for the Esther Hazy Flyers, which is Bantle Double A. Then when I was 16, I played for the Tisdale Trojans, which is Midget Triple A. So Bantle Double A, Midget Triple A. Then I played for the Moose Jaw Warriors, which is the Western Hockey League. And then I played for the Seattle Thunderbirds in the Western Hockey League. And then I played for the Portland Pirates in the uh, American Hockey League, which is one level below the NHL. And then from there, I made the NHL. So it was multiple levels. It was Wawota, Esther Hazy, Tisdale, Moose John, Seattle, Portland Pirates, finally the NHL. So each year, just trying to climb, climb, climb. And this is one thing, and I want to share this with you guys. Um, and it's a great concept for anybody in this classroom, anybody willing to pursue something in life. I believe the reason I made the NHL was because I was the best at getting better. So this is the advice I give parents. If they're like, how does my son make the NHL? If your parents said, how does my son make the NHL? The advice I give the parents is um, see if they can commit to being the best at getting better. So along the way, I wasn't the best player on all of those hockey teams, but I felt like I was the best at getting better. I was the best at improving. So every year, I would be able to jump another level, resulting in finally making the NHL. And then when you do make the NHL, it's not just like, hey, you made the NHL. Now the journey really begins, because now it's like, improve your role on the team. Then it's become a leader on the team. Then it's become a team that can win consistently. And then it's become a team that's a championship favorite team. And then it's become a champion. And then when you're a champion, you still haven't arrived because guess what? Everybody's trying to knock you off. So when you're a champion, it's now stay a champion. So you're never there. Where, wherever you arrive, it's never, the journey is never complete. You always have to keep pushing, always keep improving. That's the level of competition that I was at, and that's the level of the competition of the world that you guys will be entering. When you graduate and go into your specific fields, you will be lining up against people like this who are competing for the same job, the same opportunity that you're competing for. So if you can take one thing from this podcast, please take with you, be the best at getting better and live, live, live what you do to your soul. Um, and make it your heart's intent and your soul's mission, and you will love what you do, and your performance will be um, will be magical, and will touch your life and those lives around you, and you will be happy and fulfilled, um, hopefully financially rewarded as well. Be the best at getting better, uh, and you shall succeed. In what position did you play? I played them all except for goaltender. So I was a centerman, by, by nature I was a centerman, but I also played left wing, I also played right wing, and even in the NHL I played a game on defense. 
because we had a, a couple defensemen go down and I had to, I was like, I'll play defense. If I can do it, I, I can skate backwards, I can do it, I know the reads, I know the put me on defense. So the only position I didn't play was goaltender in the NHL. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, my name's Julia. Um, Hi, Julia. And I was wondering what it w is like being a Canadian living in the U.S. Ooh, great question. So it's actually wonderful, Julia, because U.S. people, Americans, love Canadians. They're like, you guys are so friendly. We love you. <laughs> so anyone that's an American that, that finds out I'm a Canadian um, instantly has a has a warm feeling towards me because of how our country is viewed globally. People view Canada as a very warm, very friendly, very welcoming country. And the citizens, uh, they view the individuals in the same manner. So um, it's quite enjoyable to meet people in the U.S. And they also think I have a funny accent. They're like, you're, you're, saying, you're from state. Quite often they think I'm from Minnesota because a Minnesota, a Minnesota accent is similar to ours. Um, but it's a fascinating country. I'm, I'm very intrigued by the U.S. Um, I live in the U.S. because of this place right here, Coeur d'Alene, which Callie has been to. Um, this is my favorite place on earth, and so this is why I live in the U.S. But I do miss Canada. Um, I do miss being closer to my uh, family and two friends. Uh, but the U.S. is a wonderful place to live as well. Um, and one more question. What has been your favorite adventure you've been on? Oh! Julia, great question. I think I would have to go with, I've been fortunate to do many, many things in my life. I think I would have to go with the safari in Tanzania. So seeing lions, Seeing cheetahs, seeing leopards, seeing rhinos, elephants, giraffes, crocodiles, wildebeest, buffaloes—you name seeing all of that—and being, I've been five feet away from male lions in the wild. Um, Callie, your granny, my mom, has been five feet away from a male lion in the wild, so close that she started to cry. Because she got so scared, she's like, I'm so scared. We were in the vehicle, but this male lion walked right by the vehicle. Five feet. If I would have reached out like this, I could have reached out and touched this lion. I wasn't going to. But that's how close I've been to lions in the wild in Africa. And so that to me is, is just an amazing thrill. I've also, uh, great, I've also dove with great white sharks. So I've been, if I would have reached my arm outside the cage, I've been that close to great white sharks in the ocean. I have um, swam with humpback whales um, in Tonga, which is this island um, way away from everywhere else, way past Hawaii. Um, so great big 40, 50 foot humpback whales. I swam in the ocean with them, interacted with them, swam with dolphins. Um, so many experiences, so many more to have, but I think my favorite are the lions in Africa. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. What, what's one experience you would like to have, Julia? What's one thing you would love to do? I would honestly love to swim with sharks. It's been on my bucket list since I was like five. Yeah, it's so fun. I've done it multiple times. It's a, they're amazing. They're, they're very peaceful. 
The interpretation that we have of sharks is that they're vicious and dangerous, and when you actually see them in the ocean, just they, they peacefully swim around, and if not threatened, they the threat. Sure, they hunt, they'll, they'll eat at some point, but uh, you can peacefully coexist with them and watch them, and then you're like, wow, these are so misportrayed through movies, through Jaws, that kind of, we have just a, a misperception of what these beautiful creatures are. I hope you get to do it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Jackson, and my question is, what is the best uh, advice a, a coach has ever gave you? Oh, great question, Jackson. Jackson, I think I was, if I may, I would actually say, and I believe she is a coach, she's just a different type of coach, my mom. Um, it was what I mentioned earlier, let have hockey inside your heart and let it come out from your heart. Don't let it fight to try and get in. And I think that's the best advice for hockey that I've ever been given. And it reminded me just to play with the joy of playing um, because this is what I want to do and I love the sport. So as a kid, when you go out and play, you don't think. You just go play. You love it. You're just playing. And in that, that's what we as athletes call a flow state. A flow state is when you're completely present, completely immersed in what you're doing, and you're almost act. You're almost um, you're accessing all of your instinct and your intuition, and you're actually thinking very little. You're just processing and reacting, but it's all uh, instinct. And as adults and as professionals, we can become a little more conscious, and sometimes that is a negative for us. So sometimes as an adult, I can overthink things. I can be overly mental, and. Um, I needed to learn to sort of turn the brain off and just use my heart, use my instincts. My body knows, my mind knows what to do, when to do it, how to do it, how to move through space, who's around me, what my reads are, because I've done my whole life. And sometimes thinking can get in the way of my instincts. So using my gut, using my instincts, trusting that, having hockey come from inside of me and living through me versus me trying to force hockey inside of me. And that was the best advice I've ever given by my mom. I also, mom, um, is there somebody that you like, people that you really looked up to when you were younger? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, there was, uh, as, there was Mary Lou, Joe Zagic, and Doug Gilmore. And then when I made the NHL, there was guys that I played with that I was like, wow, this guy is an unbelievable professional. Olaf Holzig was an old tenor. I played with Barry Holtz. I played with Barry Holtz and I was like, I can't believe how incredibly fit this guy is, how incredibly hard this guy works, how talented he is, how hard his forecheck um, there were many, many influences on me in my career. I got to play, does anybody know the name Alex Ovechkin? I got to play with, to play with Alex Ovechkin for 10 years. For 10 years I got to play with Ovi. He's one of my best friends. I got to play with him for 10 years. He was such an inspiration to watch the joy and the passion and the intensity that he played the game with. Um, I got to play against Sidney Crosby for 15 years. That even people I play against are inspirations for me um, because they are 
as a lover of the sport, you see somebody perform it at such a level, it's inspiring. So even though they're my competition, there's still inspiration there. Um, I was very, very blessed to have many inspirations and influences on my life and my career throughout my years. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Jackson. Hi, I'm Carter. Um, what was it like moving constantly for work? Um, I didn't move that much. Uh, Carter, can you clarify your question? Because I only played on four teams throughout 15 years. And I spent 12 years with one team. So I didn't move that much in relation to most hockey players. But are you talking about like, playing in a different city every second night or playing on four different teams? Play, playing in a different city every night. Um, one is difficult at the beginning because you're like, oh, I gotta fly again, and we're playing here tonight, and then we fly after this game, so we'll be in New York tonight, and tomorrow night we'll play in Detroit, and then the next, then two nights later we'll play in Dallas, and sometimes you're changing time zones from the East Coast to the West Coast, um, and it's a new building, different start times, sometimes afternoon games, evening games, but at the end of the day, it was this was my thought. Put me anywhere in the world at any time, and I will gladly and happily line up against the best in the world to play the sport I love. So I don't care where it is. I don't care what time it is. Set something where we get to play a game, and I will be there. So ultimately, it was um, it was just part of the beast. It was something you have to accept. As an NHL player, you're going to play 41 home games, 41 away games in the course of the season. Um, but whether they made that 100 games, 150 games, I was like, I don't care. I love this sport. Name a date, a time, and a place, and I will be there to compete in it. Thank you. You're welcome. It's me again, Liam. Uh, how has COVID affected your adventure travel program, and how have you had to adapt? Great question. Great question. Now, you would think that COVID would be um, a big hurdle in starting an adventure and travel company, right? It's like, well, COVID shut down. We're not even going to school. Nobody's traveling anywhere because of COVID. So in one way, it is difficult. But in another way, it was the biggest opportunity for me. Does, can you, can you, does anyone want to wager a guess at why starting a travel company during COVID was a massive opportunity and benefit for you? Can I take that? Yeah. Is it because nobody can leave their houses so, like, they want to? So that on the tail end of it, it is. That's part of it. So, Alan, do you have a... For mental health, because lots of people don't do good, haven't been doing good with their mental health in pan during the pandemic, so getting out can help them. Mm, interesting, yeah. Uh, uh, the reason, that's not the one that I'm thinking of, but that's part of it, but the reason why starting an adventure travel company during the pandemic was an opportunity and a blessing for me was any adventure companies, any of my um, competitors, anybody else who adventure travel, their business got shut down to zero during the pandemic. So
So nobody was traveling, right? So all of, all companies doing adventure travel got shut down to zero. Essentially, we all got pulled back to the starting line. Think of it like a 100-meter race. They're already at 70, 80 meters, right? And they're already doing it and operating it. And now we all got pulled back to the start line. And so I'm launching a, an adventure company at this time. So I'm not behind them. I'm now parallel with them where nobody's traveling. So now it's who gets the best start out of this. So it actually brought my competitors back to my level, which was a blessing and a great opportunity for me. And now coming out of the pandemic, people have been at home for two years and they're like, I'm dying to go travel somewhere. I want to travel. Where can I go? How can I book this? And then I've watched a series of adventures through 2022 that are all booked out now because people are so excited to travel. They're so excited to travel. So it's actually been a great opportunity for me to launch this adventure company during the pandemic. Okay, goodbye. Um, hello, my name is Gwen. And my hello. Uh, my question is, what is on your list of places you dream of going? Oh, Gwen. Okay, I will answer and then I want to have you the same question. Okay. Um, just yesterday we were talking about adventures that I want to build. So I really, really, really want to go to Chile and Patagonia and South America. I really want to go to the Maldives. Um, I really want to go to Egypt to see the pyramids. I want to go to Rome to see the Colosseum. And then some other adventures that I have that I really want to take is I want to go to Alaska to photograph um, polar bears in the wild. I want to go to India in search of snow leopards in the wild. Um, and I want to go to Siberia in search of Siberian tigers in the wild. And I love photography, and so it's kind of like uh, bucket list goals of mine to be able to take photos of these animals living in the wild. So those are some of the adventures that I want to put together. Um, I also have a really cool adventure coming up in November. We're going to Dubai, the city of Dubai, and we're going to skydive. We're going to bungee jump the world's longest bungee jump is there. The world's longest urban, longest and fastest urban zip line is there. We're going to do a human slingshot where they hook us up to this belt and it's a slingshot out like this and they pull us back, they pull us back, pull us back like this and they stop and then boom, it releases you and you just slingshot forward. So we're going to do a human slingshot and we're going to take a hot air balloon out over the desert. Um, so I have many adventures coming up that I'm so excited about, but what is one place or experience you would love to, to go do? Uh, I really want to go to Iceland and see like the water there. Oh, uh, Gwen, I just booked my flight yesterday. I'm going to Iceland on February 11th, nine days from now. Nice. My auntie yeah. is a photographer and she went there and it looked very pretty. Yes, Iceland is beautiful. So I go to Iceland February, I booked my flight last night, February 11th to 18th, that would be in Iceland. That's nice. Thank yeah. you for answering Thank my question. Thank you for it. Um, hi, it's Breton again. And what was your favorite uh, place that you have gone to? Um, I really enjoyed another one of my other favorite places was Spain. 
I think Spain was one of my favorites. Greece is incredibly beautiful. Greece is beautiful and very historic. Um, Peru in South America is amazing, is wonderful. Seychelles is an island that I've been to that's incredible. Uh, I think I've been to 26 different countries. Um, trying to think of any other ones, but on on my bucket list too, something I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make it to Antarctica. So I want to be on all seven continents. So next year, 2023 in December, I'm trying to line up a trip to Antarctica in 2023 uh, next year. Thank you. I have just one more question. Um, Please. How do you have to learn any languages for going to these places? Um, I try to learn a little bit. I, I'm curious to learn. I, I don't speak fluently. Um, like in, in Africa, I think there's 140 different languages or something I spoke throughout. There's 57 different countries in Africa. A lot of them will have their own language um, or dialect. And so um, it's impossible to learn all of these languages, but I really enjoy learning words uh, such as hello, goodbye, how are you, these warm greetings. I enjoy learning warm greetings in different languages and dialects. So um, I would love to learn more uh, languages. I know bits and parts just from my travels, but I certainly am not fluent in them. Um, but usually we are very fortunate here that in the West that English is a very common language throughout the world. It's the most common language throughout the world. So usually there's somebody around that can assist if we ever need assistance in a country that doesn't, uh, that English isn't their first language. Thank you. Yep. Hi, my name's Dallin, and my question for you is, when you got discouraged during the season, how did it affect your playing? So it's really interesting. You start to not, what, the first thing that happens is you, you second guess yourself. You, you get away from your trust of yourself a little bit. And then in that, um, in that your performance then wanes, or and they kind of feed into each other. If your performance wanes, you start to not trust things as much or get a little discouraged. And if you get a little discouraged, then your performance wanes. So they kind of feed each other. Um, but it's what I had to get back to of reminding myself, hey, this Bad shift, bad game, bad five games that I've had, they don't define and they don't trump all of the years of work I've put in to get here. Right? This little bad week doesn't mean that I haven't spent my life mastering this crap. Just means the result is not coming right now. So I the thing that I would do is I would just get super focused. I would put in extra time before practice. I would put in I would watch extra video. And then away from the rink, I would also get away from it because I could overstress about it because I loved and I was consumed by it. And so I would get away from the rink and I would go do some photography or go on some hikes in nature, listen to some music, play some music, do anything to get my mind off of hockey to relax a little bit, take the stress off because sometimes more, more effort, more effort, more effort was only leading to more frustration. And I needed to relax a little bit and calm down a little bit, pull myself back a little bit, and then just go play. Thank you. And I have a question earlier. You were asking who is their favorite hockey team, so what is yours? Oh, 
gotta be my Washington Capitals because it's all my buddies. I grew up a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, but my loyalty has shifted. Um, and I spent 12 years playing for the Capitals, and I still have friends on that team. Uh, and so I still root for the Capitals, but also having lived in the community, I want so badly for the fans there to enjoy a winning hockey team because I have so many good friends in the community as well. So Washington would be mine. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, my name is Aiden, and other than hockey, did you have any other favorite sports? Aiden, I love playing baseball. So I played many sports growing up. I played badminton, I played volleyball, I played golf, I water skied, um, downhill skied, we played tennis, um, we played every, track and field, cross country. Um, we played everything imaginable growing up, um, but I really, really loved baseball. And Aiden, in fact, my mom wanted me to become a baseball player. She, she was like, Brooks, I don't want to sit inside in a cold rink to watch your games. I want to sit out in the sun and watch your baseball games. And I was like, oh, no, Mom, I, the rinks that I'm going to play, you'll be able to wear a T-shirt inside the rink because they're so big and so warm. Because the rinks growing up in Wawota are very cold outside when you're watching the game. And so my mom wanted me to be a baseball player so she could sit in the sun and watch the baseball game. But um, I loved the sport, and I played it until I was 15. And then when I was 15, I stopped playing baseball so that I could focus 100% on hockey. Okay, thank you. Aiden, though, I should have been a baseball player. They make more money way more money and they play in the sun and they don't have all the injuries that hockey players have. So my mom was way smarter than hockey players have. So my mom was way smarter than I was. I should have been a baseball player. Hello, it's Brenton again. Um, yep. Did you learn any instruments or anything like that? Yes, I did. So true story, when I was 18 years old, my first NHL camp was in Ottawa for the Ottawa Senators. And I was walking through the locker room. There was a song on, uh, an ACDC song, and I was strumming an air guitar. And um, a guy, one of my teammates, says, why don't you buy a guitar? You play air guitar all the time. And um, my, I had never thought about it. I'm like, oh, light bulb, I'm going to buy a guitar. And it just happened that our trainer, his dad had arthritis, and he had nine guitars in his office because his dad couldn't play guitar anymore, but his dad was selling his nine guitars, and so he brought them in to try and sell them to the hockey team. So I bought a guitar off our trainer when I was 18, never played guitar in my life, um, and then taught myself how to play guitar, and then learned how to play guitar, and then bought drums, learned how to play drums, and played piano when I was a kid so I could play guitar, drums, and piano, and that was a big pastime for me uh, because we would practice in the morning, work out, and watch video, and then we'd be home by 1.30 or 2 in the, in the middle of the day, and I didn't want to just sit around and watch TV the rest of the day. I'm like, I can't do that. Um, so I need something else, and I wanted to exercise the creative part of my brain, the rhythmic part of my brain, something different than aggressive physical athletics, and so I would learn music and play music. Um, as a pastime and a, a hobby during the day. I actually have a guitar. Hey, with me one second. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for coming, Brooks. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. We learned a lot about community adventures and what it's like in the NHL and all the other leagues you've played in. Uh, thank you to my classmates for the questions, and thank you, listeners. Have a great day, and stay tuned for the next episode. Well We'd love to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.